Thank you for joining us for our weekly Calvary Church podcast. This week, we have a guest speaker sharing God's Word with us. Pastor Dan Yakely from Denver, Colorado, Prepare the Way Ministries. For more information about his ministry or the ongoing ministry of Calvary Church, please visit InvernessCalvary.com. this morning over this house is times and seasons. I'm here to announce a time and a season for you. Amen? Pastor Otis told me you guys are a Berean church, which is wonderful. Paul commended the Bereans, but he never said that Bereans were necessarily shouters. So I I need you to, to turn on the Berean if you want, that's fine, and then turn on a little bit of shout. There are some people that can make a super average preacher preach really good. Isn't that right, Bob? All right. I need you to talk to me this morning, all right? Uh, If you've got something white, you can wave it. White handkerchief party. I was preaching at a church one time. That church made me preach over three hours. It was not my fault. They shouted at me for three hours, and people, they were just waving their arms, doing this. And I said, I cannot shut off with this kind of... It was awesome. The pastor just kept waving, go, go. And they stood, this lady stood who must have been 85 the whole time. Just going, she was, I mean, it was amazing. Three hours, it was good. So you may not want to do that. I might go long if you start shouting at me. <clears throat> I'm here to announce to you that there is a shift coming to the house. How many believe that we need from glory to glory, shifts, new seasons? There is power in the proclamation. I'm here today to proclaim to you My assignment is to proclaim with authority what God is doing. I've watched different men of God in different seasons in ministries that I was a part of and then also pastoring our own church. They would come in on assignment and make a pronouncement, and the pronouncement actually began to break doors open. Did you hear me? There's so much power in decreeing. Not just decreeing your words, but decreeing the sound of heaven. If you'll decree what he says in partnership, there will be open doors. Amen? Are you ready this morning? I need a lot of microphone. I'm going to blow this in a little while. You will get delivered. All right? It's powerful. I just blew this thing on the Feast of of Trumpets, Rosh Hashanah, the other night in the church in Arkansas. And I am not exaggerating. That church lost control. The pastor says when that sound went out, He said something broke off the church like a heavy weight, a yoke, things broke, and the place, people that didn't even know they could dance began to dance. Talking good old country folk got loose. It was awesome. And we blew and blew, and they had this sound system that is way, it's probably, I think it's about 4,000 watts for a very small sanctuary, and they turned that thing so hot, I thought it was going to destroy parts of the building. And it was so glorious. So this morning, we're going to go loud and proud. We're going to put a lot of reverb on it, and you will get blessed. Amen? All right, here we go. Second Kings chapter 6. <clears throat> See, speak, the sound, and then massive breakthrough. Those are four points. See, speak, there's a sound coming, and then massive breakthrough. I like the word massive. Verse 24, chapter 6, verse 24 of Second Kings. And it happened after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, 
gathered all of his army and went up to besiege Samaria. And there was a great famine. I got to get my clock up because I don't see. That's not going to help me. I'm gonna, if you guys had a camera, I could show you a picture of my wife. Change your life. You think I'm kidding. I wish you guys could zoom on this, put on the big screen. Every, we would have an altar call right now. I'm so blessed. By the way, I, I, I don't normally wear suits. I guess we were, I heard Pastor Otis got, was going to put on his suit this morning. I actually have this for another purpose. And I said, well, I'm going to, preacher's going to wear a suit. I'm wearing a suit. And I was like, I guess we could just declare you can be anointed and still wear a suit, right? Back in the day, we always thought you had to wear a suit to be anointed. And then that went out, and we realized you can be anointed in jeans and T-shirts, and you can have, actually have tattoos, and you still be anointed in pink hair, purple hair. God don't care about your hair. Ooh, it's 11-11. God don't care about your hair. He loves to anoint vessels. Amen? So we, I needed to put on a suit this morning to declare you still can be anointed and wear a suit. Amen? And sweat crazily. All right. There was a tremendous famine in all of Samaria. All of Syria had gathered around Samaria to besiege it. They were coming into a time and season. It was a terrible scenario. Here's what was going on. The famine was so great, there was no food, there was no water. A donkey's head was being sold for 80 shekels of silver and one-fourth of a cab of dove droppings for five shekels of silver. People were eating dove droppings and done. It gets worse. Then as the king of Syria of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him, saying, Help me, my lord, O king. Here she says, look up here. For the sake of time, I'm going to narrate. And she says this. She says, Last night, we ate my son. My, my neighbor and I boiled my son to eat him, and she was in agreement that today we would boil her son and eat her son. And she came before the king, you can read it, she came before the king and she says, there's a terrible injustice for this woman has hidden her son. And I need you to make a statement that we're going to get her son for food. And he cried out, he began to lament, and then he got bitter and he got angry. Now everybody look at me real quick, all right? It's like looking at a bunch of heads looking down at their Bible. You can read it, it's really in there. The king was so furious, he began to go after the prophetic. He got angry at the prophet. And he called for the prophet's head. And he sent messengers to go to the prophet to gather him, to bring him, because the man was going to die. Here's what happened. So while he was going, these messengers were going forth, the prophet, the man of God, Elisha, heard from God that these men were coming. And here's what he says in chapter 7, verse 1. Then Elisha said, when they came to him, he knew they were coming, and he lifted up his voice. He said this, hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. Come on. The prophet says, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God of, of Abraham. Tomorrow about this time, a sea of fine flour will be sold for a shekel and two seas of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Then an officer lifted up his voice, and he said, if, um, then he answered the man of God, and he said, Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing actually be? 
And in fact, the prophet said to him, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. That's called doubt and unbelief. The prophet said, I love how God is. He doesn't even address the scenario in the city. He lifts up his voice and he says this, tomorrow in 24 hours, everything will be back to normal. There will be a shift. Everything besieging against you, fighting against you, pressing against you will be gone. I'm going to decree a breakthrough over you. It shall happen by this time tomorrow. I remember when my wife could not get pregnant. And we, we had our first child, McKenna, a little world changer. And then we had, there was a season where she could not get pregnant. And the doctor said to her, you're barren. She says, how can I be barren? I have a child at home. He says, you're barren. And I said, you're not barren. And so there was one night a good friend of mine, Dave Wagner, he was a prophet. He was preaching at, at a local church. And Jenny felt compelled to the Lord to go on a fast that day and to go to that meeting that night. And that man of God was up there on the stage preaching. He came running off the stage. He said, Jenny, by this time next year, you are going to have a baby girl, and she is going to be a pronouncement and a launching pad for a new ministry for Dan. So get ready. And it was just shortly after that that she conceived, and it was a, a year later. We had a little baby girl born on Christmas Day, and then days later I was getting a download about starting a new church. The word of the Lord. It wasn't the word of Dave Wagner. It was the word of heaven. The power of a decree coming from heaven, when mouthpieces speak the word of the Lord, it breaks absolutely everything open and changes everything. Three of you got that. Don't try to figure me out. I'm going to try to figure you out. All right? I am not here. I'm telling you right now, I'm, I'm here to give you the word of the Lord. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm here on assignment. I'm an assignment guy just like your pastor. I'm not even a professional preacher. I don't have bags and, and, and files of, of notes and sweet sermons that I preach. There's some guys that do that, and it's amazing. God won't let me do that. This morning I had to get up, and I had to seek heaven for a word. And I knew coming here what I was going to be dealing with, but then God has to speak clearly, do this, do this, do this. It just keeps you hungry for his presence because we need a fresh word of heaven. Amen? So this prophet releases a word. Here's the thing. I'm here to tell you that in the month of October, coming into the Feast of Tabernacles, it's going to be Wednesday evening, there's a release coming to this house. You're coming into a new season of deep presence. You've got to understand. That seems so wonderful, the presence of God. The presence of God changes absolutely everything. And you and I have not begun to experience the depth of the presence of God. Right now, we are sitting in one of the most prophetic and profound times in human history. In June 5 through 10 of this last year, we came into a physical and a spiritual jubilee where Israel celebrated the victory of a war that happened in, is it 68, am I correct? 67. And when Truman announced that America would stand with Israel, the glory of God that hit that battle and caused Israel to win. I've got stats on here of how many Israelites died and how many of the, the Arab nations that died. It's, 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 it's unbelievable, the miracle that took place. There was a revival that took place in Israel when they possessed that western wall 
and a prayer movement hit America, the charismatic renewal and the Jesus people movement erupted and prayer blew up across our nation. Some of the hottest prayer meetings you could go to were run by nuns. I'm, I'm serious. That's coming again. We are about to see some of the most unprecedented moves of God. Listen to me. The nation is groaning. I'm here to encourage you to get prophetic eyes to see. It's so important that we would see. The first point I have is that the prophet looked up. He didn't see the calamity. He saw what God was about to do. Everybody put your hands on your eyes. Say, Lord, give me eyes to see. He lifts his voice. He makes a pronouncement. It's kind of like this. I, I was at a recent event, and this little girl comes up to me, and she gives me a bracelet. And it's a purple bracelet. But the thing that was profound on it, it had Ezekiel 37 on it. And I asked that little girl because, and I kind of, I grilled her a little bit. I said, why would you give me the bracelet? Did you give me the bracelet because it says Ezekiel 37, or did you give me the bracelet because it's purple? She goes, I gave it to you because it's purple. That's what I wanted her to do is give it to me for it's purple because I wanted God to give it to me because of Ezekiel 37. Here's the thing about Ezekiel 37. I have been crying out to God. God, give me eyes to see. I want to be an accurate prophet, and I want to see what you are doing. I don't want to see the minutia. I don't, I don't care about the darkness. I want to see your intentions. I want to see your plan. I don't want to prophesy something that heaven is not saying. Ezekiel was being tested as Jeremiah was being tested. The Lord came to Jeremiah. He says, son, what do you see? God's always concerned about how we see things. And he says, I see an olive branch. He goes, you've seen well. He takes Ezekiel to an edge of a, pre a precipice. Precipice. I'm a Yankee. We he looks down into a massive valley of a boneyard. And God was testing his prophet. Before he could release this prophet to do the thing he needed to do, he needed to see, can you see okay? Can you see well? Can you see calamity or can you see a miracle? And he took the prophet to an edge. He, God says it. It's, it's a dialogue. He says, what do you see? Ezekiel says, I see a valley of dry bones. Then God says, okay. You've seen the valley of dry bones in the natural. Can these bones live? God was testing him. I want to know your faith level, son, before I can release your voice. I want to know how you see. And Ezekiel says, Lord, you alone know. And God says, you're right, I do know. <laughs> he says, you're right, I do know. Good job, prophet. He says, now release a sound. And Ezekiel began to prophesy that the bones come together. And right before him, he saw a massive army rise up in front of him. It's the prophetic power of a decree. Y'all getting this over there? He releases this sound. Here we go. You ready? Verse 3. Now there were four lepers, four leprous men at the entrance to the gate. Four is the number of new direction. I love this. Jeremiah 111. The 11 is transition. 111. Here's what God says to Jeremiah. He says, Jeremiah, son of man, what do you see? Who in here feels like they're in a season transition? 
Raise your hand. Talk to me, Brians. Come on. Do we need to do, we need to do shout practice? Put your, everybody put your right hand up. Go. Hey. You can be intellectual and still be radical. You don't have to check your brains at the door to come have a good time in the presence of God. But having an intelligent mind shouldn't turn off your shout. Amen? Thank you. Transition in seasons of transition requires intimacy with the Lord to get his eyes to see. Are your eyes fixed upon, I find this out, and I'm going to pick on this one realm, not to be mean or anything, but it's just this kind of an overall picture. I see kind of the part of the church you got, <laughs> and if you subscribe to this magazine, don't come under condemnation, or maybe you should, I don't know. But there's this part of the church who's so fixated kind of with the culture of like People Magazine of what, you know, movie stars are doing and how much they're getting divorced and who's getting what in the settlements. It's just like, what, seriously, really? I mean, I mean, like, life is, is so, God is doing so many awesome things, and the church is so preoccupied with what Hollywood's up to. And, and if people are kneeling or standing or fighting or, or getting divorced, it's like, I'm sorry if you have that magazine in your home. I'm, I'm not saying it's wrong or anything, but it's, 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 it's like a picture of just heavily distracted church. Then you have the other side of the church who can't wait to see God strike the entire earth with judgment. Man, get us out of here. Send your fire on the earth, God. Burn it up and let us get out of here. Let me ask you, which homosexual... Does God desire to go to hell? Which prostitute has God been desiring to see burn in the lake of fire? The church has got to learn how to prophesy, not over somebody's present condition, but over the place of original intent. What did God see in that womb when that little baby was being formed? What did he prophesy over that baby? That's what I like about this church is that you guys have found a healthy understanding of the kingdom. By the way, if I preach some things to you, it's going to be very prophetic that you may not understand what I'm saying, but your spirit will. Okay? But most of you are going to get what I'm going to share today, but if you don't, your spirit will get it. Right, Dave? Amen. Are you ready? Here we go. I've asked you that ten times already, all right? Four leprous men, they stand up. They said, if we enter into the city, there's famine in the city. Now, what happened with the decree? you got to get this. What happened with the decree? The decree released movement. The decree began to go out and began to break things open. Are you with me? So the prophet saw, then he spoke. The prophet saw, then he spoke. Here's the power of the speaking. Here we go. I'm going to show you something that's about to happen to this house. The Lord showed me when I was in prayer that the, the authority of this house has gone way beyond the walls of the church. I don't know how far it is, but it is more than, than a few miles. Your, your, the authority, the anointing, what does that mean? When you're gathering in worship on Sunday mornings, it's not resonating within four walls. It's going way on, and it's beginning to impact your community. I remember when a prophet came to the church I was on staff at, and he said this to our church and we had been in a season of pressing in, just like you have been, of being faithful after God's heart. And he says, power invasion. He said, the Lord wants you to know that your authority 
has gone 10 miles outside of the walls of this house. You know, it's wild about that, that within one mile of our church were 10 registered witch covens. That's really cool. Because they came under the governance of God's authority. There's a new sheriff in town, right? And so your community has come under the governance of a new sheriff. God, in, in a good way, I guess, is beginning to oppress the enemy outside your church, in your community, all around Inverness. He released the word. Two months later, there was a couple who left our church to go get some lunch. We had an afternoon meet or a, a night meeting. So they decided to go down the street to get, some, get a burrito at Chipotle, manna from heaven. And uh, on the way down there, there was a beautiful Victorian home. There was Victorian homes all over this community and uh, a three-story Victorian home, and they wanted to find out why it was for sale. It was on the main street. So they walk up to the house. They get a hold of the real estate agent, and they said, ma'am, why is this house being sold? It was, a, it was a beautiful home. And this lady goes, oh, I'm a, I'm a good friend of the lady who lived here. They said, well, what's her story? They said, well, she has to move. Why does she have to move? Well, she has been a famous medium in the area. Here's what he says. This is a true story. And the church down the road is keeping her from hearing and getting an, an, an open realm to be able to do what she does. That, that couple did not go to lunch. They ran back and told our pastor, it's working. God's shutting down houses of witchcraft. I want you to know, Calvary Church, your authority is not within the walls. It's way beyond. I don't know how far it goes out. I just saw a massive footprint of your house and the authority, come on, that every, Luke, where's Luke? Where's Luke? Luke, every time you raise your voice in worship, you are literally welcoming in the Psalm 24, King of Glory, into the region. For who is this King of Glory? It's the Lord strong and mighty in battle. You want to know the greatest release of supernatural power that destroys the back of the enemy is worship. I've heard people say, man, I just like to show up because Pastor Otis is an awesome preacher. I like to just show up for the word. Let me tell you something what's going on with that. You are neglecting God. Because your worship is for God. The word is for you. God does not come down and take notes on Pastor Otis or on my messages. There's nothing that I can instruct God of. He's going to go, ooh, that's a good revelation there. He doesn't take notes on the greatest oration ever heard. He doesn't take notes. He knows everything. He told that to Job. Son, what can you possibly tell me? How can you challenge me? Were you there when I formed the foundations of the earth? Were you there when I designed quantum physics? You weren't. But you know what he does show up for when you lift your voice and sing how holy he is, how awesome he is. And then Isaiah 43 or 42 jumps into place where God begins to command his people, if you'll lift up a, a, a worship to me, if you'll praise me, I will stir up my zeal as a man of war, and I will go out and fight for you. God called himself zealous. God called himself a warrior. God says, I want you to see correctly, church. Some of you may need to go on a news fast. I'm serious. And turn off the voices. Because the news is trying to indoctrinate us of what everything is wrong with the nation. We are in the midst of a massive move of God, and the news is trying to speak the lies of the enemy. 
There's a reformation happening. The prayer movement's exploding. Glory is coming. The return of the Lord can happen at any moment. But I believe this, that the hour of the finest hour of the church is upon us right now. There is a tremendous harvest that is coming. We are to always anticipate and desire and long for the return of the Lord. That is coming. But I believe that we have time on this earth right now to host God's presence and to release the greatest light, the greatest reformation, and the greatest power that the earth has ever seen. There's a culmination of revivals that have happened where God came down in different seasons and different times and released a grace. There's never been a revival that's ever been able to fully encapsulate the nature and the power of God. There's only been fragments of who he is. It's that Isaiah 11, the fully, the manifold presence of God. He's too massive to be contained in one move of God. His nature, who he is, what he brings, what he changes. But right now, there's a wineskin that's being developed right now where it's like the seven candlestick menorah, the revelation of heaven, the Isaiah 11 spirit coming where there's been these graces, deposits, and wells that have been dug. And in one generation, I believe there's going to become a manifestation of multiple revivals at a time that we've seen 1700s, 1800s, in different countries where graces were released. You getting that? hand up. The prophet saw. Come on. He saw, looked up. He goes, God's like, there's no more famine. It's done. 24 hours, it'll all be over. Prophesy this, son of, son of man. He released the word. The word went forth. It went forth. God said that. He goes, my word will go forth. My word will accomplish where it's been sent, and it will not return to me void. His word is aggressive. It goes forth. How far did it go? It went into a Syrian camp. Let's pick up the story. I'm getting too anointed, and I'm going too long. Are we ready? And every time I come here, the anointing gets in my nose starts running. That's my thorn in the flesh, I guess, right? In front of several hundred people, your nose is running. The Lord's like, I'm just trying to teach you to be humble. But get that hidden pride out. Let your nose run. They said this, we can't go back into the city. We'll die, there's famine. We sit on this wall, we're going to die. We're going to go ahead and move forward. You look at me. For those of you in this room that are stuck, God's releasing a grace to get you unstuck. You're about to get unstuck. I saw half-finished ministry assignments on some of y'all where you, you got stuck, you plateaued. God says, I'm coming to get you unstuck. There's an unstuck anointing coming to unstuck us. There is. God says, I'm going to cause movement again. I'm causing people to break loose again. Listen, there were some words released even last time I was here. You've got to steward the prophetic word. You don't get a word and stick it on the shelf and say, okay, we'll see if it happens. God said, that's not the way it works. When I give you a word, you're supposed to get it in your mouth and speak it when you can't even see it in the natural. You've got to see it with these eyes, with the eyes of the Spirit, and speak. How do I know this is real? My wife has suffered for two years with a terrible sickness. The first year of it, we didn't know what it was. But I literally overnight had, like, lost my wife. 
my best friend. We were a very fun family. We always ate out. My waistband always showed it. Showed it. We traveled a lot. We had fun together. Almost every night we were at a park, walking with our kids, riding bikes, doing something. My family is a lot of fun. My wife gets sick, and all of a sudden we nosedive as a family. And when my wife, in the darkest hour of her soul, and she said this to me, she goes, Dan, I feel like I'm going to lose my mind. She said, I don't even know if I want to live with this kind of pain. And I said, you need to stop talking that way. I told her, I said, you're scaring me. I said, you're not going nowhere. And I went down and I began to seek the Lord. The Lord spoke to me. He said, son, it looks dark, but I will raise her up. And you will not lose her because I was afraid she was going to die. He said, son, it's going to look bad, but I need you to prophesy. He said, when you go upstairs and she's beside herself and she looks like she's falling apart and she's lost all hope, go get in my presence, pace the floor, and begin to declare she will live and not die and she will be fine and she will be healthy and full of life and pain-free. And I got my shofar and I would blow that thing like a maniac. God's like, prophesy, son. Don't look with your natural eyes. Look with the eyes of the Spirit. I told you all shall be well. Now speak it until it is well. We gotta see, we gotta speak. These four lepers begin to move. Go to verse five. They arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians to try to get maybe mercy. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, there was a surprise because no one was there. Because the Lord of the Lord went forth. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians. To hear a noise, a frequency, a sound. Whew. Come on, I'm going to let you catch up with that for a second. All the prophets are going, yeah. All those really cognitive are going, the sound. What's that mean? You know, sound. It was prophetic. There is a, a sound that is coming on this house, off this stage, out of this church that is going to be so liberating and freeing and destructive to the enemy and releasing the sound of a community. Pastor Otis was trying to tell me the other day about these two prophetic encounters. I told him, I said, stop, don't tell me anymore. Because this is already on my radar. But he told me there was two different people at two different times that said this. They said, you know, we knew that you were a preacher. They said, there was a sound on your voice. There's a sound on this house and there's a sound on the worship that is about to become more prophetic, more it's, come on, frequency. Are you with me? What is the smallest particle known to man? It is a frequency. It's a sound wave. God says the, the word of the Lord came upon those men's feet, and all of a sudden God created a sound on their feet. Whew. Oh, it's 11.37. I got so much to share. Go with me real quick, Esther.
power of a decree. Come on, just move around here. Is it okay? I'm like a sheet in the wind. Is that all right? I will never wear a suit as long as I live again. I'm so hot. <laughs> I'm seriously hot. I'm so hot. No, because my shirt's probably a sweaty mess. And you guys would stop, stop listening to me. I'm going to be like T.D. Jakes. I'm going to sweat through the jacket. Then you will know that I am working. All right? Uh, Esther 8, we know the situation going on here. There's about to be a feast of Purim because God's about to come through for his people. The king, the wicked king, had released a decree that all the Jews could be slaughtered and killed. So the Jews were running for their life through the power of a decree. Verse 8 of chapter 8, verse 8, New Beginnings. You yourselves write a decree concerning the Jews as you please in the king's name and seal it with the king's signet ring. For whatever is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's signet ring. You're so sweet. Thank you, honey. You, with your beautiful blonde hair, I looked over during worship, and I saw your heart, and um, the Lord says your heart is about to really burn. <clears throat> I saw like, um, I saw like these embers in your heart, and the Lord threw a bunch of stuff on the heart, and it caught fire. And I saw you um, getting baptized with a spirit of fire upon your heart. Like there's another, there's fire coming on your heart, okay? However, the Lord wants to do that, but it's really good when he does that, Amen. Having hunger and having a burning heart, is there's nothing like it. The king said after he had re, re, been revealed to him that his wicked decree, he told Esther, you put together a decree, it shall be done. They wrote a decree. They released this decree. Now check this out. So that's verse 8 of chapter 8. Now go to 9, verse 16. So the Jews were running for their lives. A decree was released. In verse 16 it says, the remainder of the Jews in the king's provinces gathered together and protected their lives. They had rest from their enemies, and they killed 75,000 of their enemies, but they did not lay a hand on the plunder. I'm trying to get you to a place of understanding the power of decree. The king released a wicked decree. The Jews began to run for their life. That would not have been my story. I would have got up there, and I would have got my Glock 27. I would have loaded it. And I would have waited at my door for you to come through my door because I would have shot you in the forehead. Going to run for my life because somebody sends a decree to come kill me? Ah, I'd die for one thing, the gospel. <laughs> I'm serious. These Jews with the wicked decree ran for their lives. And then there was a righteous decree from heaven. They stopped the decree emboldened them, empowered them. They turned around and killed 75,000 men. Do you need a shift in your life? I got four minutes. Do you need a shift in your life? Do you need a shift in your life? Then learn how to prophesy over your next season, how to speak over your marriage, how to speak over your child, how to speak over a ministry. If you're stuck, how to speak over your own life that you're breaking loose and coming unstuck. 
You don't have to physically see it to speak it. But you do have to see it with the eyes of the heart. Oh, Jesus, help me. Ephesians chapter 2, 17. That's wrong. One. That doesn't seem applicable. Verse 17, chapter 1. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling what are the riches of his glory and his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. God says, I'm releasing a grace over this house to have enlightened hearts, to put aside the distractions, to come away with him, get enlightened hearts, and begin to see in the Spirit. God says you're going to prophesy when everything seems to be against you. You will speak and it shall be established. Speak. Some of us have been running our mouths about what everything is wrong, about our spouses, about our children, about our jobs, and God says that's enough because your words have power. Don't ever forget there is power of life and there is the power of death. Upon your tongue. And God says if you want to see worlds shaped around you, begin to tap into heaven. See what he says about you. And all you got to do is speak his word. And God will always back up his word. I hear a sound coming out of this house. I hear a sound coming off God's people. I hear a frequency in you. I hear a frequency in your house. It's called atmosphere changes. God says the atmosphere of this house is blessed it has shifted, and it's coming into fullness. And now God says, I'm taking the atmosphere here, and I'm taking it home with you. You will be people of great atmosphere and shift, okay? Here's how you're going to begin to test if you're carrying great glory. Do you got any new age people around here? If you don't, come to Denver. We've got lots of them. Get yourself anointed and go into a coffee shop and see what the new ager does. If all of a sudden they go, ooh, you got a strong aura, then you know that you're carrying a new season upon your life. <laughs> because they do that stuff in Denver. I've had it happen to me. It's wonderful. And it's sad that the New Agers can see our aura, and sometimes we can't. All aura means is the presence of God that's upon you. You're carrying glory, and they can see it. You're carrying brightness, they can see it. You're carrying a sound, and they can hear it. When those men begin to walk, God set a sound upon their feet. The Syrians heard the sound of a massive army. You've got to get this. Please get this. God placed a sound on this house. It is absolutely vexing and tormenting the enemy. There is such breakthrough for this house. There, listen to me. There is exponential increase happening all around this place and in every area. 
There's coming revival in every ministry of this church. There's coming an increase. I love this about Isaiah 43. It talks about extending. Let's read it to you real quick. Isaiah 54, wrong place. Isaiah 54, you should have known that. You guys are Bereans. Here's what the Lord spoke to me yesterday. He's eating lunch with your pastor. Enlarge the place of your tent. Here it is. This is good. And let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. I saw such an increase coming to this house that them were going to make you have to stretch out. There's a them coming. God says it's going to be them that's going to stretch out your curtains, not you. There's going to be a demand placed upon this house of increase, and you're going to have to expand to accommodate them. Let them stretch it out. There's a sound. It's upon the voice. There's a sound coming upon the music, and there's a sound coming upon the people. And God says there's coming massive breakthrough to this house and to your lives. There's a pastor in Arkansas, who's been laboring for seven years. Um, it's 1147. I'll be done in one minute. <laughs> you think? I will, all right? I will. And, uh, and he's been lab- laboring for seven years, and uh, they, he has planted over 350 churches in Africa. And in this community of Arkansas, they have harassed him for his love and affinity for the African-American. And they have persecuted him because just blocks away from this location, um, it, it's, it's heinous, Okay. And so they harassed him. His church could never grow. He's a powerful man of God. He was hidden away and tucked away for such a time. And one month ago, two months ago, there was a businessman, Osiris, who approached him, an Isaiah 45 fan, approached him and said, Pastor, your time has come. He literally pastored in a 1,500-square-foot building. The building involved all of the bathrooms, his kitchen, the place they had stored food, and his nursery. So you imagine how small his sanctuary was. They were packing people in there, and I recently just preached for him just last week. We had a blowout. This, this man came to him and said, Pastor, the Lord has highlighted you to me. He's a successful businessman in the area. There's a curse, an economic curse over the region. Lord, show me that when this man goes up to his high place, it's the highest place in the city, there's coming economic reform coming to the entire region. You know, God is into economic reform. Study past revivals. Anytime there was a curse on the land, even in vegetation, God broke the curse and caused uh, vegetation finances to always increase. Because when God comes, he's such a massive giver, he blesses everything. Just ask Obed-Edom. Seventy children were blessed to the Lord and served the Lord all the days in Israel. Ahab's children had their heads removed. Obed-Edom's children were blessed because he hosted God's presence. This man was approached by this, by this businessman. He said, this pastor, you've got the very small church. The Lord has spoken to me. I'm going to give you five acres of my land. And on the five acres of land was a 16,000-square-foot building with a fresh slab of concrete and steel girders. He said, I'm going to put steel, brand-new steel, on your roof and on all your walls. I'm going to insulate it for you and give you six um, professional, six commercial air conditioning units. You ever price at air conditioning units? Commercial? A lot of money. I'm going to give you six of them. I'm going to give you five acres of land. He said, I'm going to give it all to you. I'm going to get it finished for you. I'm going to give it to you for $250,000. He says, and if I know you can't make the payments, so I'll make the payments for you until you get on your feet. He goes, and then a week later, he says, make it 10 acres. I'm going to give you 10 acres. 
And then God moved all these developers in the area to go in there with all of their bulldozers and to clear the land for the pasture and to grade it down for free. And then they began to bring in gravel that would have cost thousands of dollars, and they gave them a parking lot for free. When I saw this man, here's a scripture that came to me, and it's for you this morning. The Lord says, those who have been faithful with the little, God says, I'm going to make them ruler over much. And I like that. God says, the much, I determine the boundaries of much. God determines the boundaries, not you and I. We're just to be faithful with the little thing that we're called to steward. Everybody stand to your feet. I'm going to blow this shofar over you. You know what, I can just, you want to hold it? It's 11.50. We're going to honor the pastors. By the way, honor is literally like a paved road into revival. Did you hear me? It's a paved road into revival. Now, everybody lift up your hands. There is coming an anointing this morning to get unstuck. There's coming an anointing this morning that God's going to open up your spiritual eyes to see. There's coming a release over marriages. There's coming a release over finances. There's coming a kingdom prosperity to your home and to your lives. God says, you've been faithful with a little. You've done the little thing well. I'm going to give you governance and authority over much. Listen, this is the time we are in our jubilee where God says, I'm about to set my people free from indebtedness. I'm going to set them free from the heavy yoke. I'm going to cause great deliverance to come, even in the night. The problem was that captain raised his voice. He says, I don't believe this can happen. And Elisha said, you will see it with your eyes, but you will not be hold of it because of your doubt and your unbelief. And the next day, those lepers came back. They shouted to the king, the Syrians are gone. All the plunder is on the ground. All their food, all their money, all their wealth, all their tents, all their garments are just laying there for us. And the doors were opened, the city emptied, and trampled that captain underfoot because he wouldn't believe. God says, turn off your unbelief today. Come into agreement. We are coming into the Moedim of God, the times and seasons of God. During this next week, October 4th in the, in the evening, it's called Tabernacles, where God says, number one, Tabernacles was the marking of the harvest. It was the marking of the harvest season. It was the marking of coming out of Egypt. And it was the declaration of God's presence with us, tabernacling with us in special and unusual ways. I'm going to blow this shofar until a breakthrough comes. I need you to wrap your faith around it. There are seven different releases of a shofar. The couple of them are this. It's a declaration of war against the enemy. It absolutely, the sound of it releases. It's a sound that cannot be produced electronically. It's impossible. They can't. It is a sound when it's released, releases tremendous confusion over your adversary. It's a declaration of worship. It's a declaration of war. It's a declaration of God coming, and it's a release of God's voice. And there's more. But are you ready this morning for the release of God's voice of your circumstances, of your situation? God says, I'm going to break you free. So we're going to turn it loud. We're going to put a lot of reverb on it, and then I'm going to blow.
Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like more information about the ongoing ministry of Calvary Church, please visit our website at InvernessCalvary.com.